Welcome to Pro Audio Profiles. My name is Brendan Decora, and each week I'll be hosting different guests, mainly engineers and producers, but also people from across the industry. Enjoy. On today's show, we have Victor Hanakua. He's a studio manager for Silent Zoo Studios and has credits with REM, Liz Fair, and Incubus. Enjoy. First and foremost, I want to thank you so much for being here. My pleasure. Um, this is kind of a special episode for me. Normally, I interview engineers, producers, other studio managers too, but you know, you offered to kind of go over your whole history and thank story, you. and I really appreciate it. We're so, excited to tell it. Awesome. <laughs> um, so if you could kind of start from the beginning, like I almost want to say before the beginning. Oh, boy. Since this is kind of a... <laughs> A special on United Studios. If you like, I know some of the story, but I'm sure you do a lot more. If you want to start from from the very beginning of the studio, that'd yep. be awesome. Absolutely. So, uh, so I'll go way. I'll go deep. Mm-hmm. So, uh, I I went to recording engineering school back in the '80s. Okay. And one of the guys that was that I went to school with, we started a band together, mm-hmm. and uh, and then he got a job at a studio called Ocean Way. Right. And I was like, wow, I think I've heard of that studio. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and next thing you know, like six months, and by that point we were graduated. And I was like trying to figure out what I was gonna do right. next. Like, what am I gonna, like where's gonna be my opportunity, you know? Right, right. And um, next thing you know, the position opened up as a runner. Okay. And I was like, oh my God, so I, Got in the door. I got interviewed, and they we just talked. We didn't just even talk about like my work history. We just yeah. I think they were just checking on the vibe and right, right. And I fit right in. And next thing I know, like on my first day was very white in one room. And mind you, this is Ocean White when we had the six thousand building right. and sixty fifty, yeah. and every room buildings. had an a, just an empire and artist in there. Yes. Lionel Richie, another band, you know, like, Ray mm-hmm. Shoot Peppers. I mean, it was just like, it was insane. My first yeah. day, I was like, oh my gosh. <laughs> yeah. And I just fell in love. Yeah. You know, and it was, trust me, it was very hard. Yes. <laughs> you know, dealing with the whole Hollywood and the long hours and, right. you know, the, the artistry of what happens in the studio and learning stuff. I thought mm-hmm. I I thought I had it down, but once you got in there, yeah, you know, you yeah. really learn once you're in the deep water. Absolutely. And it was so fortunate to learn from all these revolving producers and engineers that came in every mm-hmm. day and, and yeah. all these artists, people you never think of meeting. Next thing you know, you're <laughs> right. like you know, you're well, sharing a sandwich, you know. Yeah, exactly. And you know, in recording school, like they teach you how to operate the gear. They don't teach you how to make stuff sound good or yeah. how to interact with the artist or any of that kind of stuff. So you right. have to kind of go and do it to figure that out. You yeah. Know? So I uh, I just, I became so hungry about the whole thing. I learned how to uh, do tape alignments, you know, like right. I, like the tech, poor guy. He I always <laughs> like, okay, how do you do this? How do you do that? Uh, so I became really fast at all the setups. So I became like the setup guy. Yeah. And then um, just got really deep into it. And then there was an opportunity where um, there was a big producer that needed an assistant, mm-hmm. and that was 1991. Oh, let me first start. It was that was 1989 when I okay. first started. Right. So in 1991, this producer started a new studio, and he was 
every Tuesday he would have people come over and jam, drinking some tequila, okay. and then and all of a sudden, right. it was like this really creative space. But it got a little too much. My friend who got me the job mm -hmm. had already gone and worked for him. Okay. So look, it's like, hey, I need somebody. I need some help. And <laughs> but I was like doing so well at that Ocean Way. Right. But I was like, but it was also. I could use a little break too. Mm -hmm. And with permission of the studio, they said, okay, well, why don't you go check it out? Mm -hmm. So I did. And it was, uh, the producer was Bill Buttrell. Yeah. And uh, every Tuesday, these amazing collection of artists would come in and just start creating these songs. Nice. And we started recording them. And a lot of them were improvised. It was jams. Mm -hmm. At the same time, I was, I was, I would paint a mural while they were recording right. inside the studio. <laughs> it was so, it was so creative. Nice. And it was, uh, that artist was Cheryl Crow. Mm -hmm. It was Tuesday Night Music Club. Awesome. And it was, and I got to meet these incredible musicians and right. it was just, it's just incredible music. And that was uh, at his studio or was it? It at... was, the studio was called Toad Hall. It was in Pasadena. Okay. It was right next to the, the Pasadena play, uh, Mm -hmm. center thing right. it was a really cool space you would never thought it was a studio right um learned a lot you know as mm -hmm. i like to, to watch bill produce and uh, just music how musical it was it right. was just really just incredible and then that record was done so i came back and then i started learning getting my chops up became an assistant engineer mm -hmm. And then in 1984 i got another call to be an assistant to another producer okay and that was scott lit Nice. And then I became his assistant, and the first record we did was uh, R.E.M.'s Monster. Nice. <laughs> and so we rented out Studio Two at, uh -huh. at what is now East West, right. and um, and then Louis Clubhouse, which is uh, I think a Studio Five with the SSL room. Yes. So yes. originally that room was the wood shop, the original wood shop from United Western days. Mm -hmm. And I remember it, we used to help clear it out, and there was all this like old matchbooks and right, stuff, old right. signage. And I was like, I want to keep all of it. That's so yeah. cool. <laughs> but it's amazing, amazing to tra it transformed to a recording studio. Yeah. And that was literally like the paint was still drying, and here we are, REMs in the studio. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. And um, and then right after that record, we did Nirvana's uh, MTV, uh, the MTV Unplugged record. Right. We mixed yeah. that in there nice. with the whole band. The band was there, of course, without Kurt. But okay. uh, uh, again, it was just back to back. All these amazing records Crazy. and stuff with Rick Rubin. We did yeah. in there a bunch of stuff. And yeah, Scott uh, Litt was kind of locked out in that room for uh -huh. many years. Yeah, wasn't he? he was yeah. the tenant. Nice. So uh, we were there for about eight to ten years, something like that. Nice. So we did a lot of records. Nice. A lot of records. Um, so real quick, like yeah. I, obviously I know that, you know, for a long time, those two buildings are about a half a block away from each other. Yeah. It's part of the same facility. Yeah. Were you guys like wheeling gear down the street all oh the time? Gosh. Like, how did you deal with that? <laughs> yeah. I, sometimes that blows my mind that we've never been like held up at gunpoint. Cause <laughs> we, you know, we would carry like, like all the mics we have for a setup. Right. Sometimes we do the setups at night. Yeah. And here we already have like... And fifties, C twelves, right. all forty seven, you know, yeah. vintage Frank Sinatra era <laughs> microphones. And here we are at one o'clock at night in the cart. Out on I would just put a blanket over it. 
Yeah. And just like, <laughs> oh, this is sandwiches, dinner. Don't worry about it. Jeez. And, and no, no, nothing. None of us. I don't know. I don't think I ever heard anybody right. ever get in, in trouble. Right, but right. yeah, here we are. You know, <laughs> half a million That's dollars awesome. worth of mics. Yeah. <laughs> and sometimes we would push, you know, the ATR 124s, the big 24 machines, which first of all they weigh a ton. Yes. And then and then to move them on the crazy sunset. Yeah. I just I could imagine people were like, "What is that guy doing?" That's awesome. Uh, yeah. So yeah, we did nice. that gazillions of times. <laughs> and you know, I don't know how many times I've walked back and forth between those two buildings. Yeah. Mm, I think there's a there's a, like a pavement like <laughs> indent, a you know, <laughs> with my footprints on right, it. Right. Awesome. So yeah. So after Scott led, um, you know, he decided to you know I think. It's time to retire. I think mm -hmm. he wanted just to slow bass because we were we went back like back to back, back to back yeah. records like nonstop, right. right? You know, um, so I think he wanted to take a breather. You mm -hmm. know, I, th I think I could have used it myself too. <laughs> and I, uh, you know, I then got to point to figure something else out. Mm -hmm. And I think I was like, you know what? I just I wanted my step back from engineering. You know, mm -hmm. I think management was more. I'm such a people person, right? And then the opportunity came to be um to be like in the management office staff mm -hmm. for record one which is another studio right. uh of ocean way mm -hmm. and uh with mr dr Dre. yeah well, was actually take it back it was first well, michael jackson had been in there throughout the years right, right. but uh D dre was like the king yeah, of that he was studio. the tenant there for a long time yeah. very very long time so mm -hmm. i came in and then here i was from like Nirvana to uh, Dr. Dre. <laughs> nice. We changed the pace a little yeah. bit, you know. And uh, and I was there for, I guess, another ten years or so. Okay. You know, so we saw all the, the M and M's and the mm -hmm. Fifty Cents and whatnot. Yeah, you know. Yeah. And then that Detox record that Dre supposed to came out. I think we worked out the whole time. I don't think I don't think it ever came. I don't <laughs> right, know. I just right. who knows. <laughs> Maybe he's still working on it, yeah, but it's supposed exactly. to be his swan song. I don't know what happened, but awesome. Yeah. So, um, so yeah, I was there for a while, and then, um, and then we we got the call that the Ocean Way. Well, you know, they sold cello. It became cello, yes, right? And then sold cello, and then they went the into uh -huh. the change the east west. So then it became only. The sixty fifty building, and mm -hmm. then record one, right? And then uh, it got to the point where um, uh, they they sold record one, and I was yeah. like, "Oh boy, who? What happened to record one?" Yeah, well, you know? guess who owns it? Huh? Mister Doctor Dre. Doctor Dre, of course, <laughs> <Yeah>. of course. <laughs> yeah, I thought he, that he had like moved out of there for a he while. He did. He did move out, oh, okay. and uh, I think they just couldn't meet at the price, and they said, "Well, you know what." Okay. do my own thing and right and then i think uh there was second thoughts on the price and then they worked something else right. out so okay. i think they so wait be before we go forward let's actually go backwards farther from okay. be before your time because okay. obviously united western goes back to the 50s and sinatra and all yes. that let's just give a brief kind of history of where the studio started from if okay well that's going way deep yeah <laughs> <laughs> okay, so the sixty fifty the sixty fifty building mm -hmm. dates back to actually nineteen eighteen. It right. was it was a production office for Cohen Brent Cohen, which is if you know who Harry Cohen is, mm -hmm. he was a founder of Columbia Pictures. Right. And that was the very first like say soundstage okay. of Columbia Pictures. Oh, wow. Where the Sunset Gower lot is now. It yeah. used to be the Columbia lot. Yeah. But that was the very first building to okay. 
USB connection to Columbia Pictures. I didn't know that, huh? And then in the 1940s, it became a nature film productions for Paramount Pictures. Mm -hmm. And then in 1958, Mr. Bill Putnam came in from mm -hmm. Chicago. Yeah. And uh, with the finance by $50,000 from Bing Crosby and $50,000 by Mr. Frank Sinatra. Yeah. Now, Frank Sinatra was having problems with Columbia, I mean, with the uh, uh, capital. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And um, he still owed them like a few records. Right. So he said, well, you know what? Because they wouldn't let him own his own masters and be he, yeah. be creative and yeah. whatnot. And, you know, he was the chairman of the board. What are you going to yeah, do? Yeah, right? exactly. But capital didn't see it that way. Mm. Um, and then... Um, uh, we said, well, I'm going to start Reprise Records, you know, mm -hmm. through the help of Warner Brothers. Well, Austin, I think, was part of that deal. Right. And then um, and then there he goes. So 1958, uh, the Studio B opened first, and then about mm -hmm. 59, Studio A opened. Okay. And then 1961, he bought the 6,000 building. Right. And then obviously, you know, did all that stuff. Yeah, yeah. And uh, But what was so amazing is when you look at, like, the LA Two Ways mm -hmm. or... Uh, like the eleven seventy sixes, you know, like there was we have we have pictures of in the attic, like the whole attic right. area. There was actually a manufacturing plant. Right. They actually built them there for Yes. A while. And yeah. there was actually grandmas with like soldering irons. <laughs> really? And you see this component, even like the six ten yeah. like he, they did all that right there, right. all the way up to nineteen sixty four when he moved the plant up to the wow. valley. That's crazy. Isn't that insane? It was all part of the building. Go for grandma. <laughs> Love it. Yeah. So, yeah. So, so much great Bill Putnam uh, history in there. You know, mm -hmm. like he, great developing. I actually, I was on a session with, I honestly don't remember the engineer. It's probably better I don't name anyone. But <laughs> okay. they were assisting Bill in Chicago at Universal. It was on a session and he's like, hey, I got to go to the bathroom. Cover for me. I'll be back in five minutes. He literally left and got on a plane and went to L.A., like never came back. The guy did the rest of the session for him. It's like, wow. I got a call from Sinatra, like, I'm going to L.A. Yep. to start a studio. See you later. And <laughs> just walked that out. That sounds mid, right. Mid-session. Yeah, that sounds right. <laughs> awesome. And, you know, at the point, I think Bill got really tired of that work. He just didn't want to take his calls. Yeah. You know, he built studios for him in, in, uh, in Las Vegas. Okay. He built a little setup that. at his house in Palm Springs, mm -hmm. you know, because he was all was like right. right so yeah he's uh he was a handful <laughs> yeah um but you know that just all the inventions that uh super crime cube you know right. uh all that stuff was at united you know mm -hmm. and if you look at urei mm -hmm. it's united recording electronic industries really yeah i never really knew that yes <laughs> think about crazy. that i mean if you look at any old component any old old gear mm -hmm. that's what that stands for because they were all manufactured right there and the building yeah Dang. it was united recording corp that's how the right. company first started wow and uh and then you know and then western came and mm -hmm. then you know the company just absolutely grew and then of course record course recorders is the other company had okay. he started a studio in san francisco for a little bit and then the one is in, in, in mm -hmm. las vegas of okay. course for frank okay right right yeah nice cool yeah and i know like obviously after that like it's just like you said in the beginning, like it was every day was star studded hallways. Yeah. Like everyone who's everyone was always there all the time, yeah. you know, I mean, to, for decades. When I when I get to Encanto, like the old timers, I've been around since, you know, 
the 60s. And they tell mm -hmm. me like these crazy stories, you know, and it just blows my mind. And when I tell people my stories, right. you know, it, you know, people are like, what? Yeah. You know, because sometimes <laughs> it's like we have this crazy job where like every day we, we, we work with this big rock and roll person or some, right. some kind of musical person. Mm -hmm. and But that's just been a lot. It's normal to us. when It's like, oh, yeah, yeah you know, when Miles Davis saw this, this and that, <laughs> you know, people what? look at you like, what? You saw who in the hallway? Yeah, what? <laughs> you pooped next to who? <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> nice. So then back to yes. kind of more recent times. So, uh, so yeah. So, uh, so then we, the record one got sold and then they shipped us off to uh, 60 50. Okay. Sunset, and then we found out that uh, 650 got sold to a real estate company. Right, the who who owns? They bought that whole rest of the lot. Right, yeah. and then they also bought other film lots throughout mm -hmm. Hollywood. Yeah. They're really expanding their the yeah. studio uh, portfolio. I think uh, even even now the East West lot is the only lot in that whole block. It sure is. That it, they don't own. Yeah, that's crazy. Yeah. <laughs> So, you know, uh, and then, you know, when we when we got back, and it was great to be back in my old building where I got mm -hmm. my, you know, yeah. when I first started. And then uh, the studio just started skyrocketing. We just, we we were going to keep the name Oceanway, which did, we did for a year. Mm -hmm. But we decided to rebrand it to its original name to United, right. which I thought, I think it was poetically right. Yeah, right? absolutely. You know, no yeah. offense to Mr. Allen Sides, but I yeah. think it was... Of course. Perfect to if it was gonna be, you know, if it's any name, it should be that, right? And yeah. we got it, and and it's been a great journey, you know. Mm. And then of course, uh, moving forward to March of this year, you mm. know, uh, all of us got called into an office thinking we were gonna do some new training, right? Uh, and one by one, they started calling each employee in. And I was the last one, and I didn't know what the hell's going on. Last one. I was like, I was like, shouldn't I be the first one?" <laughs> right. You know, because I was booking manager. Yeah. You know, and I was like, <laughs> I'm usually the guy, the center of information, and right. and I knew something was wrong. You know, yeah. so throughout the years prior, we, you know, they were really championing the history of it, mm -hmm. but we knew there was a story that we weren't allowed to tell, and that story is that they were gonna move the building into right. the Sun Cigara lot right. to preserve its history and preserve its integrity yeah. as a studio. That's crazy. Right. How do you move a building? Exactly. <laughs> so for like two years, we had meetings with engineers, acousticians, wow. people to like, where are they gonna cut the building? Jeez. And it was already in plan. It was wow. already in the works and they were gonna tear down that building to make room for the United. Mm -hmm. And you know, and it, the building was in a, it's in a slope like this. Yeah, and, yeah. And then the material that the building's made, I remember it's 1918, the yeah. building's from. So <laughs> it, it's a lot of like yeah. loose uh, loose nails, you know? Yes. <laughs> and, uh, you know, the lacquer and the chambers. Mm -hmm. And there was, so, we did all these tests on the paints and right. they were really gonna spend a fortune. Right. And then the idea came like, well, let's, let's do a documentary of the studio mm -hmm. to coincide with the move mm -hmm. and its history. Right, and that was in development. So two years, we started filming a documentary okay. with interviews and this and that, yeah, yeah. and uh, we did different cuts. And I, we actually hired my wife, who works at UMG, okay. to do all the uh, the clearance and licensing of the right. songs right, and right, stuff. Because right. nice. obviously, you have to have yeah, it has to be music heavy, right? All the music, yeah. <laughs> 
<laughs> and then uh, so so new members came into the board of the real estate company, and mm -hmm. and all of a sudden, like the attention to United started getting slowly and slowly. <laughs> so we started seeing the red flags a while ago. Right, right. They even gave us like a, a little card to to if somebody asked us about what yeah about, really? the, about the move or because people thought oh, is the studio closing and i was yeah. like no yeah never <laughs> you kidding me it's basically the abbey road of the west coast right it's crazy exactly <laughs> and uh you know and with our clients you know there was always concern it's like don't worry because we weren't allowed to say that we're gonna move right. the building because yeah. it was so not only controversial but yeah. also is it aesthetic? You know, there were so many questions. Yeah. And being a real estate company, they're very protective of everything's all legal, legal, course, right? So we had to learn all the legal jargon and all this stuff. Mm -hmm. um, and then that conversation slowly started dying off. Like yeah. the business expansion started being cut off. Uh, like trips for business started getting cut. Like mm -hmm. all these little things. Right. It's like, well, something's happening here. So in March, when that happened, when they gave us the walking papers, you know, I wasn't completely shocked, but I right. was shocked, yeah. you know, uh, especially yeah. for someone who started there in 1989 yeah. under that umbrella. And I literally worked every single position besides being a tech. Yeah. <laughs> right. And, you know, right. and uh, it was heartbreaking, not only to me personally, because not only did I have a studio family. Mm -hmm. But my clients, of course, the cottage guys, yeah, everyone, the, yeah, you know, everybody. Um, and there was even some weird. I heard some weird talk of like, it's gonna stay open, but like we're just laying mm -hmm. everyone off, and we're still gonna have like yeah. bookable. It's like, how do you run a studio without a staff? Yeah, like, or even for a tech, you know? Yeah, it's just like <laughs> who's gonna, you know? Yeah, how would you want to go there? And, yeah. yeah. So yeah, that's what they that's what they said. They were just gonna keep it. So the the film, for the, like for the movie shoots, for example. Right. Yeah. So we we killed it. We made so much money on a week because we filmed two back to back Super Bowl commercials. Okay. Gigantic one, but they're still mm -hmm. airing now. Yeah. And and the numbers were just just monumental, right. and they're just like wow. Yeah. So I don't know has some that's something to do with it. So they're they're. Their thing was about uh, let's keep it all uh, film shoots and long term bookings. Right. So we here uh, we secured a very long term booking, but they were gonna go over to United, but they told them no. Mm -hmm. So right there, it's like hmm, that's fishy. That's right. And they started clearing out the attic and stuff like that. It's just right, like right. So it doesn't look good for the building. Yeah. Unfortunately, yeah. It's the history is not enough for them. The real estate. Right cost their is, investors yeah that's they see the money yeah you know i hope but there haven't been any like they haven't liquidated any of the equipment yet have no they? if that happens they'll probably bring in a broker right okay. to sell it in lots i can't imagine them selling it in. there's just too many pieces i mean yeah. the microphone alone is you know yeah millions of dollars right. i mean right. i mean yeah it's crazy <laughs> yeah we have you know 1267 right you know right. i mean not i heard mention, stories of alan sides like you know sending people around the globe looking like an old churches and uh -huh. all this stuff oh, trying to find yeah. old that, that was that was him he <laughs> yeah. loved doing that stuff you know <laughs> crazy I mean, yeah <laughs> yeah so you know just like the fairchilds my gosh yeah, you know just we had alone. like three of them three or yep. four of them <laughs> um it's crazy yeah so it's not it's not looking good you know yeah. i hope i'm wrong 
but yeah. it's it looks like you know there's tenants in there they cut off their their lease by right. January so they're not extending it so yeah. if nothing's looking like you know there's been no film made there's been no long term right. and there was even a story that got out where there was like blueprints that were submitted for a skyscraper at and at that location was that when they were still planning on moving the building or right do you know so, where that falls in yeah so um urbanize la they put out uh the right. the, the the plans of what mm-hmm. the plans were were going to happen or right. are going to happen i should say yeah. the purpose of them moving the building is so they can put the, that 12-story building right. in its place mm-hmm. that's that's why they gave us the cue they weren't allowed to say anything right um so yeah that's definitely that was what we call the master plan there was like not only just what affected to united but other buildings inside the lot were also put more office space for productions and whatnot yeah uh so we thought maybe it'll be farther in the future because they kept Mm. like the like i said the conversation stopped so we didn't think that was gonna happen and then we heard about a strike coming right which is you know came yeah. <laughs> uh and uh yeah it's just and the next thing you know well here we are yeah you know yeah it's a sad, sad story but uh, you know sad story in the music community absolutely uh yeah you just like me saying that you rei you know you, you mm-hmm. see that gear in every studio in the world yeah right absolutely and it's been the epicenter of what you know bill putnam's gave to the community of our recording industry right. you know right and they don't it's see crazy. the value on that, unfortunately. Yeah. <laughs> it's crazy. Yeah. But he, there's a new chapter to yeah. the story. Yeah. So tell me, yes. now we're, we're here at Silent Zoo yes. Studios. So um, uh, so March, we got our walking papers. And, mm-hmm. you know, I was like, well, what am I going to do? You know, mm-hmm. try to go be an Uber driver or stripping. What should I do? Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh no uh so uh i get an email from miss candace stewart yeah my pal mm-hmm. and uh and she introduced me to holden mm-hmm. woodward who was the owner of silent zoo and yeah. they were looking for a studio manager and it just uh this beautiful symphony of uh Everything, two people just yeah. like the timing was perfect and aligned. and uh i joined the team in in may nice. nice and then we just started hitting it out of the park you know uh bringing mm-hmm. in some really high profile artists and right. you know uh the studio has been so established and holding so musical mm-hmm. you know i just see he's got this amazing backline that he's added right this beautiful yeah tell me about i mean i know this used to be the bridge recorders right so, so tell me about the history yes, of this place a little bit in 2009 mm-hmm. um greg curtis uh started um the bridge recording mm-hmm. and it was basically specifically only for scoring so right. they did everything from the simpsons to the avengers right. to the annabelle series you know right right this console is uh 96 input uh vsp legacy a uh neve console mm-hmm. that alan sides helped bring in here who right it came from paramount stage m mm-hmm. and uh it's a great console it's kind of like the predecessor of the 88r yeah uh, and um, and then happened, and then uh, and then t- 2019, uh, Holden uh, uh, bought the studio. Yeah. But guess what happened? Right. <laughs> Our dear friend COVID came in. <laughs> Just a few months later. Just like ah. <laughs> so uh, so instead of you know he thought he thought forward and thought positive and was like you know what 
let's give this console a bunch of love. So he recapped it and just mm -hmm. fine-tuned it to be like primo and nice. bought a bunch of gear and just made it so musical friendly and right. a beautiful creative space right yeah it's he even, he even talked to me i i know holding myself i was yeah mixing some of his his songs yeah. and he was telling me that he had been outfitting the, the place with more equipment for band recording and so yes. to make it more versatile and not just for scoring alone You're right so, yeah and uh and it's perfect because i you know the, the as the labels were calling here you know, mm -hmm. for the A level artists and and not not uh, not scoring people. Right. I just happened to came at the same time with like my Rolodex of people. Right. And right. Uh, and then we're just here we are. You know. Yeah. Awesome. And there are, we're we're open to the world now that COVID is kind of like not as mm -hmm. crazy as it was. Yeah. You know, uh, it's it's perfect timing. So awesome. we, we just we shot this amazing video. Mm -hmm. To demonstrate the beauty of it being a drum room, not just a scoring room. Right, right. So I brought in Jim Kellner mm -hmm. and Abel Borg Jr. Nice. and built Melina Engineering it. Nice. And it is like this beautiful magic happened because awesome. they've known each other forever. Yeah. And then just they're like, okay, we, you want us to jam or what? It's like, just get do your thing, you know, man. <laughs> just like go crazy, be creative. So Jim brought all this crazy stuff, and right. Abe did too. Nice. And then we had such a blast. I brought a burn and film crew. Mm -hmm. We just released the the teaser trailer yesterday. Okay, it's on nice. uh, social media now. Nice. And then we're gonna release. Uh, we have a, an eight minute version. Right. That right. Uh, that's gonna live on the stronger nice. like YouTube and whatnot. Yeah, I mean, there's so many large rooms in LA that you know, yes, they're big enough for scoring, but there's plenty of bands that want that huge drum sound or yeah. you know a large area to 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 do their thing. You know? Yeah, but but the thing is, with this room, it's so it's so versatile because it doesn't have to sound gigantic. You know, right. it doesn't yeah. have to sound like you're in the chapel. You know, the, the right. Sistine Chapel or whatever. Uh, you know, we carpet it down. You know, we baffle mm -hmm. it. You know, we can there's make isolation it, booths. Everything you can compress yeah. it or you can make it big as you want. Absolutely, and that's the beauty of it. Nice. I just want to take a quick break and tell you about my free snare guide. In it, I go over all my techniques, from drum choices, microphone placement, tuning, even mixing techniques. Check it out now at brandondecora.com slash huge snare. And now, back to the show. I just want to talk a little bit about kind of the evolution of the industry. Obviously, things have been changing a long time, especially after COVID and everything else. It's like... It's interesting here what Holden has done to kind of make this a space for everyone, especially because it's a one-room facility. And so a lot of times as artists, you know, the big A-list artists, they want their privacy. Yes. You know, I know of there was some stories that Ed Turney told me actually about uh, East West. It was I think it was in the cello days where the Rolling Stones yeah, I booked, was there. <laughs> booked the entire building yeah. because they didn't want you know anyone else there they yeah. booked all the rooms well we, we had you know. uh louis clubhouse was because we were a tenant right but we were allowed okay you're and the then, one exception yeah <laughs> nice. i actually have a crazy i have a lot of crazy stories about that <laughs> but i'll tell you a pg version of it yeah. uh, <laughs> okay so uh, throughout the process of the recording they already been in for a while mm -hmm. i mean they started with one room and then it went to like two then they got studio okay. three right they brought a, a pool table we actually they rented a pool table for them and then they brought in the one with like the lips and stuff <laughs> Okay. <laughs> which is crazy. But for some reason, I think, you know, having 
the Rolling Stones in the studio, it's gonna make news. Right. It's really hard. To, I mean, yeah. somebody blabbered, you know, yeah, or let's see, you, you saw him walking <laughs> in the street, but it wasn't likely. Yeah, I, it leaked to the to the radio. Once. Oh, jeez. Yeah, really? I think this is at the very end. Okay. And okay. next thing you know, I'm coming into work, and there's like a mob of people in front of the studio <laughs> oh, no. with like guitars and Baker's <laughs> oh, Banquet album. I'm like, oh, like, oh no, oh, shit. I'm like, first I thought, I was like, they come from me, right? Like, no, no. Right. Um, and I say, you know, and uh, you know, and those guys are used to it. They're just yeah. like whatever, yeah, you know. And luckily, they have there was uh, there wasn't a gate there yet, but they they okay. didn't go all the way in. Right, they were, right, they right. were cool enough, so. Nice. Yeah. <laughs> That's crazy. <laughs> Crazy days. <laughs> yeah, so just, you know, it's it's interesting where how the industry has, has evolved where, you know, with obviously with Pro Tools and everything else, so many people have studios in their house yeah. and stuff like that. But still, places like these flourish because there's only so much you can do in your house yes. and there's things you can do. Like even the project I was just doing yesterday, actually, we went to East West and we had already recorded a song where the session drummer had recorded at his place and the bass player did it at his place. And we got it all back to the producer's studio and trying to, you know, do overdubs. And the producer's like, you know what? We need everyone in a room. Let's book a studio and get this into a more community vibe and you know we really need that 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 community feeling so and that's when the magic happens exactly. you know uh you know pro tools became well at least a, a lot of the software based programs they become so user friendly mm-hmm. that i think and please don't people don't get mad at me when i say this <laughs> people got lazy yes <laughs> people got lazy 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 because yes. people don't people stop being creative they hit like this button and that button mm-hmm. and then boom here we go yeah and then the creative juices start like they evaporate you know yeah. but what makes you come into a place like this that that your creative spark starts to blow up right. and there's a synergy that happens with all musicians mm-hmm. i think that's why jazz is so amazing because yeah. we track it live that's yeah. it you can't mess up you can't fix that yeah. thing up yeah. you can't auto-tune that <laughs> exactly you know and then yeah. bam and people it's just it's incredible so i think in the places like this like it forces you to be okay here right. we go yeah fine fix it at the end you know right but, you can still edit you can still do stuff but, but when but... you get like what i call the wormhole when you're in the computer mm-hmm. and you start yes. and then you at that point you're too deep it's a whole different song at that point right you know yeah. i always su- suggest just let the magic happen let Absolutely. the happy mistakes happen yeah you know let the <laughs> artist for yourself come in close your eyes and sing that lyric yeah boom here exactly. you go you know that's why there's there's so many great studios out there mm-hmm. you know east west the village you know the list goes on right, it but they're right. very small now that list is like yeah smaller and smaller yeah, yeah. Uh, us being in a new studio we'll mm-hmm. still carry that that beautiful message right will still carry right. that that language when you're in here you know that right. it makes you become creative because it's such a creative space and we're all creative individuals of course yeah. and then when you interact with somebody face to face in real time it, something magical happens right. and that's right. the beauty of music because exactly. when you create because we will we as recordists we capture a moment of time. We're mm-hmm. almost like scientists. Yeah. Right? Yeah. We capture something. And when you <laughs> capture something when it's magical, forget it. It's yeah. incredible. Exactly. So and that's that's the thing too, is you know, I've talked I asked this question to a lot of my guests is that, you know, how do you set up the studio to be a creative playground? It's like just the fact that we're in a studio 
is a created playground. There's equipment you haven't used before. There's corners of the room yeah. where you can mess with the acoustics. There's so yeah. many things you can do that are out of your normal thing that yeah. you're stuck with at home, you know, so. Did I show you the wall, the wall of pedals? The wall of, <laughs> wall of guitar pedals that was added, the instruments, the yeah. everything, yeah. Absolutely. Well, you know, it's it, like every studio is different. It's almost like it's mm -hmm. like uh, eating different types of food. You know, every yes. studio has a different language. Every every flavor is different. You know, every studio has different. What gives you something different? Right. You know, and I love there's there's varieties, but there's only a few left. Right. You know. Yeah. I went to a trip to Japan. I went to Victor RCA mm -hmm. Studio, and uh, it was absolutely amazing. Right. But it was like so many. Uh, there was a lot of familiar things to it too. Right. right. Just like. I went to the to the mic locker. I wanted to see how they handled stuff. Yeah. And it was absolutely immaculate. Yeah. But it was also very familiar too. Yeah, you know? Exactly. Uh the way they were the guy was setting up the session. I was like, mm -hmm. oh my God, this is so cool. Because <laughs> we all do the same thing. Yeah. You know? Yeah. But it was like you felt creative. They had like yeah. taiko drums there. I'm all like Right, right. So Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. So is there I mean, there's a handful of questions I ask every every guest at the end of the, yes. the podcast. Um is there some current or recent projects with the studio that you can talk about that you want to? Well, definitely uh, the Jim Keltner, right. you know, mm -hmm. um, and Mr. Abelbor Jr. You know, it, what I was thinking, I was like, God, the Beatles were all like, the Beatles Association was all, <laughs> yeah. like Beatles Berry Dust was all in that room. Yeah. Because Bill Bellina, you know, he worked with Ringo Starr. Right. Jim Keltner traveling with Will Berries, John mm -hmm. Lennon. Yeah. And Ringo, yeah, and then of course A plays with Paul. Yeah. It was just like was for years, you yeah. know. And but there was nothing <laughs> Beatles of it whatsoever. But the the synergy, the, right. the vibe was all there. It was just so magical, and I, that's what I meant nice. about when you're a creative space. Right, they just went at it. You right. know, there was no instructions. You know, we look back at the video. They're like, it almost seems like it's scripted because yeah. they were just giving me all those like <laughs> solid like yeah. sound bites. I'm like, I love you guys, right? right. But this is all they. I didn't coach them anything. They just they said right. it. But you know, there's been some other amazing stuff we've had here. Some I can't really say. Of course. But uh, you know, um, this piano has started to build its own history right now. Yeah. You know, it's building. You mm -hmm. know, for 2019 when a Silent Zoo. Mm -hmm. You know, now we're like developing our own story, right? You know, creating right. our own history, and we hope to evolve to like you know decades, you know, absolutely. whatnot, absolutely, and, and be the champion of you know a, a different flavor of recording that people right. may want, absolutely. Um, so one of the questions that I have at the at the end is, um, who has been your most influential teacher? Man, there's been so many. Yeah. I mean, it could yeah. be a number of them, obviously. Yeah. <laughs> but I'll start, you know, I'll start with my school, actually. Okay. My recording school. My recording school was called Trevis Institute of Recording Arts. Mm -hmm. And it was, it's now a restaurant, by the way. Okay. On Sunset Boulevard, <laughs> which is, that's a whole I am. Yeah. <laughs> um, so in, in that class, we had, we had different type of teachers. They were all like professional, mm -hmm. but this teacher in particular really touched me and his name is malcolm cecil okay he was the inventor of tonto he produced inner visions nice. and he was like a mad scientist like he had like this crazy curly hair like like doc from back to the future <laughs> right, right. but then he started like talking about like logarithms and this and that i'm like what wait but he was but it, he also bring me down to earth and said like, okay understand it at your own pace mm -hmm. but 
understand why you're why you're learning this. Right. You know, recording studio, then this and that. He passed away last year. Okay. And I was very like heartbroken because I remember mm. I was just about to have a baby. Crazy mm. man, but the music industry right, and right. I know. Huh. And and now my daughter works uh two of my daughters work at UNMG. Okay. And one other nice. one works at Disney. Disney nice. studios, which is like they're all they're all in industry. It's so yeah. crazy. <laughs> awesome. Um but awesome. uh he, he he, um, you know, he's like, okay, well, you're gonna have to work twice as hard, you know, because I told him I was like having a baby, you know, right. like, crazy. Jeez. Uh, you know, I was like 20. Yeah. Here crazy. I am going into the music biz. Right. But you know, here I am today. So, yeah. awesome. but you know, he he's definitely he kept my my uh, my faith up. Yeah. You know, and maybe understand the beauty of music. Right. And the beauty of the studio. Yeah. And and the beauty of uh, logarithms, you know. <laughs> <laughs> nice, nice. Yeah. Uh, the next question uh, is: As an engineer, what is your favorite reference track? If you have to walk into a new studio to kind of learn the room, or oh, what? Wow. What do you put on to be inspired? You know. Wow, that's a fantastic question. <laughs> you know, it, you know, it would have to depend on what kind of project I was doing. Of course. You know, uh, I would say I usually my reference. For like low end, mm -hmm. uh, I would be Massive Attacks Angel. Okay, uh, just because that kick and snare yeah. is just so amazing. Right, <laughs> uh, and then for like horns and stuff, I would want to listen to like Love Supreme, obviously, right, right. or anything or Kind of Blue from Miles Davis. Yeah, yeah, because uh, that's another somebody I met, you know, throughout my journey. Yeah. Like just like what is happening here, you know? <laughs> nice. <laughs> uh, yeah, that one, and then you know, there's a record that just we yesterday was the anniversary of its release mm -hmm. from 1994. The first record we did actually at Louis Clubhouse mm -hmm. uh, was R.E.M.'s Monster, right? Uh, because I know that record so well. That's another mm -hmm. reference record I'll probably put nice. on, just nice. because I know what the guitars sound of like. Course. You know, you work on something yeah. so deep, yeah. like you know it You've so heard well it a million times. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. like even I'll be like at the supermarket, and I was like, "Yep, yep, yep." I know <laughs> exactly. Yeah, nice. Uh, last question: What would be one tidbit for an upcoming engineer? Be cool. <laughs> <laughs> Because I man, sometimes like your personality really depends. You yes. know, it's great to learn all this stuff. Yeah, and it's great to have like musical knowledge. But if you're right. kind of a jerk, you know, <laughs> no one's gonna want to hang out in the room no, with you all day. Because you know, you're in the studio with people for like eight to, to ten to twelve, fourteen, sixteen yeah. hours, right? Exactly. And if like if you don't have like the right personality, or just yeah. be kind, or Learn how to be like the polit the politics inside of a studio too, right? right? Like right. when to be invisible, when to be present. Yeah. When to be like, yes, nope, you know, how right, to right. do the things like in three seconds, you know? Mm. But also like be cool, you know, like <laughs> like don't get stuck up, you yeah. know? Like I, there's a whole like the whole generation right now that people mm. are like, you know. Yeah. <laughs> Simmer down, you know. Exactly. Simmer down, you exactly. know, and and be open ears, you know. Right. Every day, to me, even to me today, I'm constantly learning from people. Yeah. Never stop learning because that's so important. Of course. Because if you don't grow, you'll be right here. Yeah. And then that's it. Yeah. It's so just get yes. Yeah. So be cool. Be cool. <laughs> awesome. Well, thank you so much. I A really pleasure. appreciate it. Thank you. Awesome. 
Thanks so much for checking out the show. Make sure to subscribe for all the updates, and I'll see you next week.